African Dialogue, looking at different events in depth, discussing a variety of issues. What we see here is a clear violation of one, the right to privacy of Tiwonge and uh, Stephen. The position of Greenpeace is that it's been a disappointing meeting. Good morning and welcome to yet another interactive installment of Africa Dialogue. You tune in to Channel Africa, your voice of the African Renaissance. I'm your host, Ndlandla Masangu, and we're currently on the frequency 9625 kilohertz on the 31-meter band to Southern Africa. On the program today, we look at the inauguration of Zambia's president and his deputy, although the opposition is taking the matter in review this morning. But before we get that, let's get the news update with Anne Musa. In the headlines, a ceasefire brokered by the U.S. since Russia and Syria is due to come into effect. South Africa's President Jacob Zuma sends a message of condolences to Tanzania following the deadly earthquake. And Kenya's President Uhuru Kenyatta and his deputy William Ruto launch a new political party. A very good morning to you. I'm Anne Musam. A ceasefire brokered by the U.S. in Russia and Syria is due to come into effect. The Russian Federation and the United States have agreed to reinstate a ceasefire. The United Nations welcomed the move, which would allow for the resumption of the intra-Syrian peace talks. UN Special Envoy for the country, Stefan de Mistura, says he hopes the political will that led to the understanding is sustained. Let me be clear. You have been asking me for that. I am ready to say it. The United Nations stands ready to deliver and to do whatever it can to support an early restoration of the cessation of hostilities. It also expects that all parties will facilitate UN efforts to indeed deliver humanitarian assistance to the population in need, including in besieged and hard-to-reach areas, according to our plan of September. South Africa's President Jacob Zuma has sent condolences to Tanzania after an earthquake struck the northwest of the country. The affected area has sustained widespread damage with 270 houses demolished and electricity disrupted. President Zuma says South Africa's thoughts and prayers go out to the affected families. He has also wished the injured a speedy recovery. The death toll following the magnitude 5.7 earthquake has reached 16. Authorities say 203 others are still hospitalized with injuries. Sarah Kimani reports. One of the, the, the immediate actions that were, were taken by the Red Cross and the government was those who were seriously injured, they were taken straight to the medical facilities and the less injured ones were fully given into to the Red Cross. 
Witnesses and some of the residents in Bukoba say several houses caved in. Rescue operations went on for the better part of Sunday. Tremors were felt as far as neighboring Rwanda, Burundi, Kenya and Uganda. At least 270 houses were demolished in Bukoba and electricity supply was disrupted for several hours, according to a statement by Tanzania's Red Cross. Kenyan President Uhuru Kenyatta and his deputy William Ruto have launched a new political party ahead of next year's general elections. The Jubilee Party's launch follows the merger of 11 political parties, including Kenyatta's National Alliance Party and Ruto's United Republic Party. Kenya is due to hold elections in August next year. Kenyatta will be seeking a second and final term of office. And precisely because we know that no one succeeds alone, Jubilee will be the party of empathy and solidarity. We are blessed to have a partner also who shares in the same vision, and I'm referring, of course, to William Ruto. We are clear as a party why we want to continue leading this nation into the future, because we have a solid track record and a clear roadmap of what Kenyans should expect from a Jubilee administration going forward. Three illegal miners trapped at a disused mine in Langlachter, south of Johannesburg, have resurfaced unharmed from underground. Four illegal miners have already been rescued. This brings the number of illegal miners who have since emerged from underground to seven. Of the four, two have been hospitalized and the other two have been arrested. Operations were suspended because of an underground fire and deadly gases which prevented mine rescue services personnel from reaching the trapped miners. This illegal miner says there are still other illegal miners underground. It's very hot underground. We were sweating. It's very hot. There are six illegal miners that are left behind. They will come out tomorrow. And finally, it's the second anniversary of the death of 116 people, including 85 South Africans, who died when the synagogue church of all nations collapsed in Lagos in Nigeria. On the 12th of September, the guesthouse building of the church of the renowned pastor T.B. Joshua dramatically imploded, killing and trapping many congregants inside. The trial of two engineers involved in the construction of the building began in June this year. They are facing charges of involuntary manslaughter. Recapping the top stories, a a ceasefire brokered by the U.S. and Russia and Syria is due to come into effect. South Africa's President Jacob Zuma sent condolences to Tanzania following the deadly earthquake. And Kenya's President Uhuru Kenyatta and his deputy William Ruto has launched a new political party. Thank you so much, Anne, for that news update. Remember, African Dialogue comes to you every Monday to Thursday at 1100 hours Central African time. You are also welcome to interact with us via Twitter at Channel Africa One or Facebook. You can also send, send us an SMS with your views to plus two seven eight two three. Three two five nine zero five. If you want, you can also email us at info at channelafrica.org. Channel Africa has been told by leader of the opposition, 
Takaimbe Chichilema and his running mate Godfrey Biala Mwamba will be challenging the constitutional court ruling in a court this morning. The Lusaka High Court last week, Friday, threw out an application by opposition leader to halt the inauguration ceremony to be held in Lusaka tomorrow. In his ruling, Judge Imuila Chitabo said the court had no jurisdiction to make such a decision. Hichilema and his running mate were seeking the High Court's interpretation of the Constitutional Court's decision to deny them their fundamental right to be heard over the election petition. To help us unpack this, we are joined on the line by Gary Van Sturden. He's a senior political analyst at NKC, as well as Dr. Gia Leboha Mapunye. He's a senior research specialist. Gentlemen, Thank you so much for taking your time and joining us here on Channel Africa. Yes, good morning. Thank you. Great. Maybe if I could just start with you, uh, Dr. Gary Van Scudden. Um, what is your take on the fact that, you know, we've just heard that the opposition is actually challenging tomorrow's inauguration. What are the chances that, you know, this inauguration will be stopped again this time around? Well, I think the prospect is that inauguration being prevented from going forward tomorrow is, is very, very slim. Um, I'm I'm not a legal expert, but I don't know of any high court ruling that's overturned a constitutional court ruling. So um, my understanding of the constitutional court issue was that the moment that, that once they had made their, their decision on the, uh, on the electoral petition, that that was the end of the game. So I'm not sure where this high court application is going to go, but I would be very surprised if it prevented the inauguration from taking place tomorrow. And Dr. Mapunye, your take on uh, this uh, challenge that we've just heard the opposition is seeking to stop the inauguration tomorrow, what's your take on that? Well, uh, thank you very much for inviting me. I am not so sure whether that uh, uh, move will also succeed. Um, When we look at the the continent, normally such moves are... Guaranteed and uh, accommodated in the you know, various constitutions, and um, of course it is um, part of the um, uh, wave of democratization that uh, engulfed the continent in the 1990s, uh, whereby we have multi-party democracy and the opposition. Whenever they feel aggrieved, they have the right to uh, challenge, you know, whatever outcome and go to the highest court in the land. So I suppose that in the Zambian case, this is what is uh, you know at play. However, um, I believe that, uh, you know, it, 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 it might be that in the end we are going to have an inauguration. And it has happened previously in other, in other countries whereby, uh, you know, the opposition cries, cries foul and then uh, it goes to, to the court. But uh, the move just stops short of, uh, you know, uh, declaring the, uh, the, the, the winner that would, would have been announced uh, null and void. So you end up with uh, you know a, a country that has a leadership that has taken over after a disputed election, and of course they uh, stay on with that um, uh, you know cloud for the rest of the five-year mandate until the next election. Still on that, Dr. Mapunye, you know, um, the opposition leader, Hayike Hichilema, says that um, the Zambian highest court did not give them the fair opportunity to present their case. And he also accuses the judges of conniving with Lungu's ruling party. Just how true is this in your view? Or is it just, you know, clashing on straws? And also, does this not leave the country on knife edge? 
to, to answer your last question, obviously this leaves the country on a knife edge. Um, uh, Zambians are very worried, and not only Zambians, uh, you know, SADC leaders as well. Even, you know, the rest of um, uh, members of the African Union are worried about uh, what is uh, currently at play in, 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 in Zambia. And uh, one would, would uh, think that uh, this is where now the test of the rule of law uh, has to manifest in terms of, uh, you know, uh, the current uh, dispute, the current dilemma and, uh, and impasse in terms of, uh, you know, Zambian politics. Well, the opposition is at, uh, you know, has got, is within its right to complain that uh, they believe that the, the, the judges are not, uh, you know, uh, in favor of, 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 of their, 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 their themselves as the opposition or that they are not fair. But of course, uh, we cannot just, uh, you know, um, remove or, or rather, you know, tar, or all the uh, the judges uh, uh, in, in Zambia as well as the, the judiciary uh, with the same uh, negative passion say that they are not fair because clearly there have been instances uh, in the past where they have, uh, you know, made fair rulings. So for this one, we have to wait and see how the, the uh, you know, the, the, the case is going to come out. And it is only then, in my view, that we can say, yes, um, uh, the, the, uh, um, uh, the, the judiciary was unfair towards the opposition, or it wasn't fair. Uh, without that, uh, you know, outcome, I would be a little bit uh, uneasy to say uh, whether the judges are fair towards the opposition, because even members of the, uh, the governing party as well, the party of Fund, they have complained, uh, you know, they made similar complaints with regards to the recent elections. Just to bring you in there, Mr. Gary van Staden, should this development continue, that is the challenge uh, by the oppositions, Zambians should really be worried because the legal tussle will delay efforts to revive an economy hurt by the weak global commodity prices. Just what are your views on this? Should this um, legal um, uh, process continue tomorrow? Um, I think that, yes, I agree with uh, with the sentiments expressed already. I think it's, a, it's an issue of great concern that we are still kind of half moving forward and not moving forward and uncertainty and of course that doesn't help the economy at all and I, I must say that I was a little disappointed in the in the constitutional court because I think that you know while it, that might have been the letter of the law that they were implementing I think that in the in the, the spirit of the law and in the, the greater benefit for Zambia I think that we should have heard this petition I think the court should have heard this petition then we would have had some finality because as my colleague has just said, now you know now President Lungu takes over tomorrow, he inaugurated tomorrow, and everyone's thinking, well, did he actually really win the election? You know, so um, there is a cloud that is hanging over over uh, over the, the presidency. There's an issue of credibility. So um, I think that the, the longer this goes on, of course, the more the, the more potential there is for a political problem and, and certainly for an economic one. I think that we really need now to be focusing on, on how do we repair the Zambian economy as fast as possible uh, and um, uh, and begin to sort of implement, get some policies going that are going, that are going to make a difference. So I don't think this helps Zambia. I don't think that it's um, an issue that's going to, to be very, very easily resolved. And, and I think that we missed an opportunity to resolve it. I think the Constitutional Court too just said, well, let's hear this petition anyway and, and see where it goes. And I, I, would, uh, I would agree with my colleague. I'd be loath to say that the judges have been biased. Um, I think we would need a little, uh, we need a little more concrete evidence of that, and and I think that um, that is perhaps the, the real tragedy of this is that um, you know we would have perhaps 
from the constitutional court a decision that everyone would have had to abide with. Everyone would have had to, probably would have accepted. So, but now we almost go back into a state of limbo again. And irrespective of what happens in court today, irrespective of what happens in inauguration tomorrow or next week or whenever it happens, I'm afraid if we have a cloud over the presidency and a cloud over the, the what really should be a fresh administration and a new start to get the Zambian economy going. A reminder, you're listening to Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance on the frequency 9625 kHz on the 31-meter bend to Southern Africa. And I'm your host, Ndlandla Masango. We'll be back after this short break. The Africa Aerospace Defense and Exhibition was initiated by the Commercial Aviation Association of Southern Africa and World Air News and held at the very new Lenseria Airport north of Johannesburg, South Africa. The event that takes place from the 14th to the 18th of September offers companies the opportunity to showcase their products inside the indoor exhibition area, book hospitality chalets and display the aircraft in the static aircraft park and on the public days offer members of the general public the opportunity to view an international air show. The number of exhibitors has grown to 254, representing 21 countries. Channel Africa will be there. So join us on the 14th, 15th and 16th of September from 1100 Central African time when we will be broadcasting live from the Africa Aerospace Defense and Exhibition. This is an event you should not miss. Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance. Welcome back. Are you still tuned into Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance, coming to you live from our studios in Johannesburg, Auckland Park. We continue with our discussion today, whereby we've just been reliably told that opposition leader Hakainde Hichilema and his running mate, Godfrey Bualamwamba, will be challenging the constitutional court ruling in a court this morning. The Lusaka High Court last week Friday threw out an application by opposition leader to halt the inauguration ceremony to be held tomorrow. In his ruling, Judge Imuila Chitambo said the court had no jurisdiction to make such a decision. Hichilema and his running mates were seeking the High Court's interpretation of the Constitutional Court's decision to deny them their fundamental right to be held head over the re-election petition. Now, just to bring you back there, um, Mr. Gary van Studen, should um, Mr. Edgar Lungu be inaugurated tomorrow, what would you say are some of the pressing issues that, you know, he still needs to tackle to revive the economy of Zambia? Um, I think the, the, the key issue, I think, is, is, is how to sort out uh, give, give uh, investors some clarity over his view or government's view on uh, on, uh, on shared um, resources, on who benefits from what from, from, from the resource boom. And to uh, sort out tax bases, etc. You know, there's, there's been a lot of uncertainty over the past couple of months over exactly what government is going to do and what can do. And I think that what needs to happen first and foremost is that we need some clarity. And it doesn't matter what that clarity is. It doesn't matter if it's a if it's a decision that, that uh, investors might balk at. 
um, what we need is certainty. So if he says, this is the deal, however harsh it may sound to you foreign investors, this is the deal, but this is the deal we're going to stick to, and this is the certainty that you can that you can have, um, I think that would be a, a, a strong step forward in the spectrum of, of getting the Zambian economy moving again. And uh, and then, of course, we've got to remove some of the bottlenecks in the economy and some of the inefficiencies that uh, have grown there over the years that he's not been personally responsible for. But um, at some point, some executive has to uh, has to take the decision to, to say there's too much red tape here, there's too much bureaucracy, there's too much this, there's too much that. Uh, we've got to try and, try and liberate this economy and make sure that Zambians benefit more from this than, than has been the case previously. I'll also pose the same question to Professor Gyalibuhamapunye. What would you say are some of the pressing issues that uh, Mr. Edgalungu uh, should tackle head on should he be inaugurated tomorrow as Zambia's president? Well, my apologies, I got cut earlier, but I don't know whether my colleague has mentioned it. But for me, uh, it is unity. Because uh, where Zambia has got, a, you know, uh, follows this first-past-the-post uh, electoral system, which unfortunately tends to prioritize uh, um, uh, focus on on the winners, especially the the the, the one party dominant, uh, you know, uh, 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 kind of winner. So it is very very easy in such a situation that after such a divisive uh, election, as well as uh, you know, uh, intense emotive uh, electoral contest, that uh, you will have uh, a situation whereby the the nation is divided, you know, along different party political platforms. And you need someone that will be able to unify, you know, the nation, bring it together, you know, uh, give uh, or extend the olive branch towards the opposition uh, to say, even though you have lost, but actually you are doing this um, in, in relation to Zambia and in the interest of the nation. And therefore, the opposition will also be able to, uh, you know, forget about uh, some of the things that they would have mentioned, uh, divisive as they are during the, 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 that emotive, uh, intense electoral campaign and uh, try to, you know, uh, come to at least the, uh, the, the party and, and, and work with, 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 the, with, the, with, the, with the government that uh, obviously now would be recognized by the courts. And in that case, at least try to extend its legitimacy or at least to improve its legitimacy. So for my, my view, the, the, the biggest, uh, you know, issue and the biggest challenge for, for Lungu as the, the, the uh, you know, the incumbent president that is, uh, you know, uh, yeah, um, uh, in terms of how the courts uh, you know, are quite likely to to, uh, to rule in favour of his party, will be obviously to uh, bring the different disparate political forces to uh, towards building, rebuilding the country. My colleague has just uh, you know mentioned the, the economy, and I believe that, that that is also a biggest challenge. Apart from that, uh, we will remember that Zambia also is a very very important uh, member of uh, of SADC, and uh, we would want a, a much more you know forceful, much more focused Zambia to be able to play its regional as well as uh, its multilateral, you know, role, uh, such that uh, it's not focusing on implosion or weaknesses at home. Just on that, the issue of unity, President Lungui promised during his election campaign that the issue of the Barota land would be brought up for a debate and considered if he won the presidential election. Could Barota land and its leaders keep him up to his word now that he, he was likely to be sworn in tomorrow? Well, I, th- I think they, they, that is quite possible. Uh, obviously, it will depend on the uh, prioritization of uh, policy issues by the PF government. Because uh, uh, once uh, uh, you promise people, you know, uh, uh, things, 
during the heat of the electoral campaign. Sometimes as you come into power, you find that, uh, you know, based on the mandate that you would have received, sometimes you tend to change or to modify, you know, some of those promises. And they, they uh, I think the jury is out there for uh, PF, if they will be, you know, sworn in as the, as the incumbent, as, as many of us expect, that uh, obviously they will have to look back at the promises that they have made and to make sure that uh, they, uh, you know, stick to those promises. But uh, I can assure you that, uh, like it happens throughout the world, uh, it is not always easy for politicians to promise everything, you know, on, them, on, on their manifestos and to deliver on everything on their manifestos. Some things normally fall, fall by the wayside or some things are not so prioritized because certainly there are new pressing demands and so on. So it will actually depend on the pragmatism of uh, their, you know, uh, uh, governance strategies as well as, uh, you know, the, uh, uh, the arsenal of uh, uh, political, economic and social and other uh, um, uh, weapons that they have uh, in their armor to be able to deal with the challenges that Zambia is facing, including the poverty that the country is facing and the unemployment uh, that um, so many commentators have talked about before the election. And Mr. Van Sturden, you know, with the opposition now approaching the courts today, and if the court rules in favor of um, Mr. Lungu, what recourse does the opposition have now? Do they have to go back to the drawing board? How does it work now? Oh, I'm not sure. I'm not even sure that this recourse is supposed to exist. So I think that um, this this really would be the, the end of the line today. If um, uh, if, the, if the if the court says it actually rules that it has no jurisdiction to overrule a constitutional court and force them to listen to something, um, so um, I don't. I really don't see that there's any way else to go. But um, I think that my colleague's point about unity is hugely important, and I think that. If Mr. President Lungu would have an opportunity, you know, today, tomorrow, next week, but as soon as possible, to to do something really statesmanlike and 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 do what my colleague said, offer an olive branch, say, listen, uh, we just about split the vote. You know, I mean, there's half the country supported me and half the country supported you. Um, so maybe we should um, we should look to some system or some scheme of working together. I think that that kind of gesture, I think, would, would be bring a huge amount of stability to, to Zambia, almost irrespective of what happens with the, uh, with, with, with the legal processes. So um, I'm not sure that there's anywhere else to go now legally. I really don't. But I think that, um, that, that uh, uh, incumbent uh, or, or, or president-elect uh, have an opportunity here um, to do something really statesmanlike and to really kind of um, uh, Zambia on the on the right path to consolidating and rebuilding its democracy that has got a little bit tattered over the past couple of months. I'd like to welcome to this discussion Kamofisa uh, Machienzi, the information and research um, person at uh, MISA Zambia chapter. Mofisa, thank you so much for taking your time and joining us here on Channel Africa. Uh, thank you very much and good morning. Yes, we've just been reliably learned and informed that, you know, um, opposition leader Haiche um, Hichilema and his running mate are actually approaching the High Court today, challenging tomorrow's inauguration. Um, are, are these true? Do you know anything about this? What are people on the ground saying in Zambia? Um, well, people have been looking, um, they're quite anxious you know, to see the outcome. And, and it's been quite uh, a stressful period because um, this is this election is being held under a new 
dispensation, of course, a new uh, legal system, uh, and all these things are being uh, tried pretty much, um, are being seen as a new uh, step forward. So people have been anxious to see which way things will go, but uh, others are also looking forward to the inauguration itself and uh, to see things go ahead uh, and for, for the system to be able to get back to normal because most of the activities have uh, been pretty much on hold. Um, but, but from the media perspective, I think most of our journalists have been keenly following uh, the issues that have been obtaining and most have actually tried to cover in depth uh, most of the legal issues that we're obtaining uh, around uh, this this inauguration. And how are the preparations? You know, is the excitement, uh, are, the, are the marquees being put up? Is there a sign that this inauguration will indeed go ahead tomorrow despite this court challenge? Uh, yes, from the report we have uh, gotten and what we, we have been seeing, um, there is move to go ahead with the inauguration and we've gotten also reports from the security wings uh, that they're ready uh, to handle the entire uh, inauguration and that it will be secure. I'll just outro them then we can go to uh, a promo then go to headlines. Yeah, so they have given assurance according to the media reports that we, we have been receiving that they are ready to, to, to superintend over this inauguration and ensure there's public safety and security and that things do uh, do flow smoothly. We continue with our conversation. Uh, we're discussing Zambia's uh, elections. The you know the inauguration tomorrow of our President uh, Edgar Lungu. Should it go ahead despite um, this uh, court challenge by the opposition leader led by Hakainde Hichilema and his running mate Godfrey Mwala. Just to remind you of our guests uh, this morning, uh, we've got on the line uh, Professor Kialebo Homapunya. He's uh, the research professor and chair in the Electoral Democracy Unit at UNISA. We also have Gary Van Staden, the senior political analyst at NKC, and we've just been joined by Kamofisa Machienzi, information and research manager at MISA Zambia Chapter. We'll continue with our discussion shortly after this short break, and then we'll have news headlines, and we continue. Stay with us here on Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance. Good news for listeners in America. You can now listen to Channel Africa by phoning 605-47-1711. So, if you're a Channel Africa listener in America, simply dial 605-47-1711. Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance. We have great news for you. Channel Africa has gone mobile. If you have a cell phone, you can now download the mobile app for Android. You can get it on Google Play. Get the latest news from Africa. Get the Channel Africa app. Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance.
Welcome back. We continue with our discussion right here on Africa Dialogue on Channel Africa on the frequency 9625 kilohertz on the 31-meter band to Southern Africa. Now, Kamufisa Machiensi, shortly before the elections, we saw the suspension of um, radio licenses of three radio stations and, um, you know, the media, they were speaking out about just how the, tre- the media has been treated by the government. Just what's your take on this? How, 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 how's your, what's your view on how, you know, these elections were covered by the media and just how the government treated the media when it comes to when the build up to these elections. Thank, thank you very much. Um, as we actually have been monitoring uh, the elections for the past uh, 10 years or so, we've covered um, most of them with research reports that we have uh, produced and are available actually in the public uh, domain. And, and you know, from our monitoring, we found that there was very little coverage, first of all, um, of, of issues, there was very little discussion of things such as community development, things about public health, uh, issues that would relate to the daily livelihood of the ordinary citizen out there. So what we observed more uh, in the coverage were issues of uh, petty politicking between parties, uh, you know, leaders calling each other names, um, character assassination. Those are some of the things that were coming out more prominently. We had issues of violence in the elections uh, that received almost half of the coverage during that particular uh, time, but but also what we've seen overall was that there was um, uh, quite some violence against journalists, also from our reports, because we've seen an increase compared to previous elections, where we've actually had some brutal attacks against journalists. Uh, we had two journalists that were in, you know, nearly burnt alive in, in one of our, our provinces in the eastern province for following up, you know, an election malpractice. Uh, we also have a legal environment uh, that tends to have so many laws that are inimical to the freedom of expression and of the media. And, and like you rightly mentioned, we've also seen um, a seemingly clamp down on, on media houses that uh, are deemed to be critical of the state. And, and given an environment where we have the public media, um, you know, apparently biased towards the particular uh, section, apparently biased towards the state, then it becomes unfair for the ordinary citizen, which is what we observe during the election, because then they're exposed to only one line of thought, um, which is that that's supposed to be uh, praising the, the, the ruling party and the government. So for us, that was an issue of concern, um, and that needs to be looked um, at as we go uh, forward. And then, you know, specifically focusing on, on the suspension of licenses, we tried to engage the, the authority, the independent broadcasting authority, because we saw that to be somewhat unfair, and provided um, in the law, actually, was that perhaps the due process was also not uh, followed because they were supposed to be given some uh, some fair hearing before such a suspension could be taken. They were supposed to be warned in writing before such a suspension could be taken. And, and if, indeed, the authority was claiming um, these stations posed a risk to national security, to public safety, um, we feel they shouldn't have waited if, that was the case. They wouldn't have waited the entire period of the elections before actually taking such a, a drastic measure. So we have been trying to engage with them and to also engage with uh, the media houses. But as it stands, uh, movie television, which is uh, pretty much the, the biggest or, or largest private uh, TV station uh, here, remains closed. Uh, the same for Comboni Radio, which is more popular with the masses in the, um, in the, highly, in the densely populated uh, areas. Uh, in the country. So it's an issue of concern for us because access to information is curtailed. As you know, most of our people 
uh, do access most of the information through uh, the radio. We, we don't have much, um, very high numbers in terms of, of those that are, are connected to the Internet, able to access uh, the information through that. Just to bring in, just to bring in the professor Gyalebocha Mopunya, you mentioned the issue of unemployment just shortly before we introduced Mofisa. What would you say are some of the opportunities that exist for President Edgar Lungu to effect in the rampant unemployment prevailing in Zambia? Well, there are, there are many in my view. Uh, obviously, the, with Zambia's legacy of uh, you know copper and the mines uh, that that have uh, previously you know, done such a, you know, a good work before the demise of copper. I would be, uh, you know, think that uh, this is probably where he also needs to, to look at in terms of not only just resuscitating those mines which are not uh, cost-effective or operating at optimal levels, but to look at uh, new opportunities in, in, in that sector as a way of uh, at least uh, uh, dealing with, uh, you know, uh, some aspects of the unemployment. But, of course, the, uh, uh, Zambia's economy over the years also have, has experienced uh, the need for diversification. So you would not want to rely on a single or mono uh, uh, product or, or factor. You would have to make sure that uh, you look at different sectors of, of, of the economy, the agriculture and so on, uh, uh, Zambia also being, uh, you know, largely rural, to be able to uh, make sure that in those areas are far from the town centers and the major, you know, uh, cities, then you are able to generate some kind of, uh, you know, a livelihood income. Uh, for people that rely mostly on, you know, small businesses and so on. Essentially, that there is, it's, it's a question of, uh, you know, uh, looking at the diverse uh, nature of, of sectors. Uh, because if you, if you don't do that, uh, then you are uh, quite likely to dispose many people or to, uh, you know, predispose them towards the urban centers. And with this, with this rapid urbanization that has been, uh, you know, happening not only in Zambia but throughout the, you know, the, 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 the region and, and continentally, uh, the towns are quite likely to, uh, you know, uh, uh, knuckle under the heavy, you know, uh, influx of people from the, 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 the hinterland, from the rural areas into, into, into the, the urban centers. And to that extent, for me, I think the urban, um, uh, the unemployment, uh, if it is not tackled, it becomes, it will become a thorn in the flesh of, in terms of, uh, you know, the, uh, his uh, um, um, uh, period of governance. Still on that, you know, the Zambian economy is too capitalist in design and orientation. And what one would ask, is Zambia ready for socialism to advance the interest of the working class, which up to now are actually left to capitalists who are interested in maximizing their profits? What's your take on that? Well, in my view, um, most uh, African, you know, uh, economies and African countries uh, have serious, um, you know, need for reform of, 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 of the economy. And uh, in fact, if you say that is Zambia ready for socialism, I would say that, uh, you know, this is a question that can be asked for uh, virtually all many uh, of these African countries. Zambia itself, uh, I, I didn't see that the, the PF, uh, the Patriotic Fund of Lungu, campaigning on a socialist ticket. And uh, uh, just a few, one or two of, of those parties actually did, uh, you know, uh, raise issues that uh, one would say uh, it, would, it would appear that they would like to, uh, you know, if they take over, they would like to, to change you know, the country from being a capitalist country to a socialist country. Uh, but one would say that, yes, uh, there is a need 
to look at the uh, the ownership of the means of production because this is where now once you start talk, talking about socialism, you have to talk about those those things. Who owns the means of production? Uh, is the, the Zambian economy owned by Zambians themselves? And they, to what extent is uh, you know are they the are they, 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 the Western powers that are normally coming in there bringing their own demands on a newly elected government, uh, having a sway uh, in terms of uh, imposing their you know economic uh, policies and so on. Uh, we we, uh, we know that during the, the, the era of the structural adjustment programs, uh, you know, of the World Bank and the IMF, uh, sometimes indigenous, uh, you know, policies uh, that would have been preferred by uh, a winning, you know, party. This was, this was during the time of UNIP, of Kaunda and, and uh, the former rulers, that uh, even though they will be having quite credible policies, uh, once they go out to uh, was the you know Washington and 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 the, the Washington consensus trying to get some loans and so on uh, so that they can repay their debts they get uh, you know given uh, very stringent uh, you know conditionalities and I think uh, not much has changed ever since uh, you know the 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 the, the Zambian uh, you know situation changed uh, in terms of in terms of, of the party we are no longer talking about UNIP obviously we are now talking about Patriotic Front but uh, the capitalistic nature of the the economy clearly is a concern especially. On the you know the urban you know poor the uh, the, the the rural poor who keep uh, knuckling under you know the, the obviously the the, 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 the the unequal nature of 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 the economy based on the capitalist system. So to that extent, I think this is also what the parties you know are facing and what uh, you know the incumbent would have also have to deal with to say to what extent can we make you know economic reforms to ensure that uh, you know Zambians own you know the, the the means of production and own the land and are therefore able to deal with the key challenges of poverty unemployment uh, and uh, um, uh, underdevelopment and just to bring you in there, Mr. Kamofisa Machienzi, should President Lungu be inaugurated tomorrow, you know, what do you think needs to happen to ensure that media freedom in Zambia exists and is respected? Uh, thanks, thanks again. It's um, actually a time that we need to be, you know, reflecting on what we went through during the elections and the issues that have been obtaining. For us, the most um, or the priority that should be taken uh, should he be inaugurated is um, the need to deal with uh, you know so many laws that inhibit fundamental rights and freedoms of uh, of assembly of association uh, and mainly in this case of expression which is where our media freedom uh, relies because in Zambia we don't have an explicit provision uh, for media freedom what we rely on is the freedom of expression in article 20 of our constitution so there's a need uh, to look at some of these laws, we have things like the defamation of the president, for example, which is an arbitrary uh, law. You have things like prohibited publications, which place so much power in the presidency uh, to ban certain publications, which uh, he feels you know, may be um, a danger to society. You have so many other laws. There's also you know, the need to look at the public media in the country, which, which play um, a vital role in terms of access to information for the ordinary citizens out there. Uh, the need to free the public media, the need to uh, restructure in terms of um, of how that, that the public media institutions are set up, the need to make them a bit more independent and, and autonomous because at the moment uh, the law provides that the Minister of Information should should be the one to appoint uh, the board that runs um, you know, or, or superintends over these public institutions. But what we would want to see is a situation where these public institutions are somewhat distanced from the Ministry of, uh, of Information to, to avoid any 
um, you know, any coercion of any sort, any influence, you know, from from, from the you know the, the ministries and other public uh, um, offices as we have seen uh, before. Um, then also for us, we'd want to see the government specifically. Uh, taking a step on on the law on access to information because we have seen so many promises. Um, you know, we, we have been grappling with the campaign for an, an access to information law in Zambia since 2002 or thereabouts. And we've seen so many governments coming in and so many going, um, and yet we we haven't had this access to information law uh, passed. And, and because of that, we see so many implications. We have issues of corruption. Uh, we have so many gaps in terms of, of the governance process because the ordinary citizens are not able to, to fully participate um, in, in the governance process. They're not able to fully hold their leaders accountable. And, you know, the system lacks in terms of, of trans- full transparency and, and all those issues. So for us, it's those three main areas. The need to address the laws that um, uh, undermine our fundamental freedoms of association, assembly, and expression as well as the need to look at the public media um, and the models under which they are set up. We need to, to make them more independent. Well, thank you so much to our guests uh, this morning, Professor Gyalebohile Mapunye, the research professor and uh, chair in the electoral democracy at UNISA. We also had on the line uh, Gary Van Sturden, the senior political analyst at NKC, as well as Gamofisa Machienzi, information and research manager at MISA Zambia chapter. Gentlemen, thank you so much for taking your time and just giving us your views and insight on what's you know happening on the African continent today, being specific in Zambia. I really do appreciate you taking your time. Thank you so much. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. There you have it with our guest there. We had uh, from MISA, uh, Zambia Chapter, Kamufisa Machienzi, Information and Research Manager. We had Gary Van Staden, Senior Political Analyst at NKC, as well as Professor Gialeboha Mapunye, Research Professor and Chair in the Electoral Democracy. We wait and uh, see, you know, whether, you know, the opposition in Zambia will actually be victorious today and they'll actually be able to stop the inauguration of our President Edgar Lungu tomorrow. Should they succeed or should they fail what happens in Zambia what is going to happen we're going to have a short break now we'll be back right after this change your game game. be the voice of young African entrepreneurs change your game game. a program that promotes open discussion change your game we bring social dialogue as we highlight real issues in the global entrepreneurship ecosystem Our mission is to produce relevant and vibrant content and conduct interviews with dynamic stakeholders within the African entrepreneurial ecosystem that informs, educates, and entertains and empowers young African entrepreneurs. Change your game. Change your game. Empowering the next generation of outstanding African entrepreneurs. Tune in on Fridays. 1000 hours to 10:45 a.m. Central African time and on Saturdays 1300 hours to 1400 hours Central African time Channel Africa the voice of the African Renaissance And it's time now for economics news with Wisani Matebula
Good morning. Thanks, Ntlantla. Zimbabwe's main public service union has rejected government plans to cut 25,000 jobs and suspend annual bonuses. The Apex Council, which is a grouping of state sector unions, demanded talks with government over the plan that Finance Minister Patrick Chinamasa says was essential to ensure the country could keep paying off its staff. In a budget statement last Thursday, Chinamasa said the state workers' uh, wages uh, took up 95% of total revenues collected between January and June, which is a situation that could destabilize the economy. He also said uh, the government risked being unable to pay salaries. Industrial gases and welding products firm Afrox is tightening its grip on the liquefied petroleum gas market in southern Africa. This after the group sealed several supply contracts worth more than 69 million US dollars in the past few days. Afrox made the announcement on Friday last week saying it was eyeing growth opportunities in sectors such as hospitality, healthcare, and the automotive industry. The company also says it has uh, concluded a 10-year agreement to supply liquefied petroleum gas to a major distributor in Maseru, Lesotho. Meanwhile, South Africa's power utility, ESCOM, says Unit 5 at the Medubi power station in Limpopo province has been synchronized to the national power grid becoming the second of the station's six units to come on stream. The synchronization of this unit also marks a key milestone towards the full commercial operation of the unit ahead of its scheduled commercial operation in 2018. Spokesperson at ESCOM, Kulu Pasiwe. We are excited as a country and uh, as a company because uh, the more uh, electricity we put on our national grid, the more stable it becomes, meaning that the more stable the power system becomes. And as a result, it also enables us as ESCOM plus municipalities as well to roll out uh, the electrification program to households that currently are not connected to the grid. You will remember that uh, um, a year or so ago, during the State of the Nation address, the president did say that South Africa has about uh, 3.4 million households which are not connected to the grid. So this stability or this new generating capacity is going to not only help to stabilize the power system, but enable us to connect new people as well. In some currencies news, uh, the South African rand is trading slightly weaker against the U.S. dollar, has renewed talk of a possible rate hike by the U.S. Federal Reserve, subdued risk appetite. The rand is trading at 14.45 to the dollar, 0.3% weaker from its New York close on Friday. Financial indicators say the dollar 4.35 to the South African rand at 10.58 Botswana Pula and 10.22 Zambian Guacha. Also trading at 0.75 to the British pound and 0.88 against the euro. The commodities market, uh, gold is at $1,327, uh, platinum $1,052 per fine ounce, Brent crude oil $47.33 per barrel. And that's how it's looking right now. Back in an hour's time with another update. Thank you, Wisani. It's time now for Sports News with Figile Lengwati. In our update this hour, the South African Paralympic team never disappoints.
in delivering medals, and Sunday was no exception as they brought home four in total, a gold, two silver, and a bronze to take the total medal count to six. After posting a world record in the T37 100 meter in the heats, Charles Dudoy reigned supreme in the final, securing the gold medal in 11.45 seconds with fellow South African Fanny van der Merve tied with Egyptian Mustafa Fathala in 11.54 seconds. But the South African lost out by a thousandth of a second. Dudoy thanked his entire support team after this wonderful performance. I think I didn't get that good a start. The Egyptian next week got a wonderful start. Um, all that stuff here, we did brilliantly. Um, yeah, I think about 70 odd I thought I was in the mix and just stayed relaxed and went through um, and enjoyed every second of it. And I had to work for this one, eh? Yeah, man, I think that's a secret to anything. My dad always taught me, like, the key to success is just enjoy what you do and you'll never work a day in your life. And I really enjoy athletics and, yo, I love doing this. And I think that's a reason for the smile. And like I said yesterday, my uncle passed away two weeks ago and I promised him that I'll give him a smile and yeah the smile's for him as well eh? and the emotions yeah no i'm very thankful i think it will sink in a bit later um just so thankful and um, when i get on the podium i think yeah i uh, yeah i don't know what to expect but i think it's gonna be a wonderful experience and having my parents here is just amazing and um, hats off to our amazing training group and Suzanne, our coach, Sean Sermon, my conditioning coach. Our medical team did a wonderful job in getting here. So I'm so thankful for everybody that played a part in this gold medal. Like That's all the people behind the scenes that doesn't get all the glory, but they put a lot of hard work into me and I'm so thankful for all their time and effort. Dudoy had broken a world record in the heats, improving his own record by 0.01 seconds as he finished in 11.42 seconds. Yeah, no, he was a big sports fan and my dad was a big sports fan and I know he all invested a lot in my athletics as well so I know I, what I had to do to give glory to God and to make my uncle proud. So, yeah, and I, I know what the job was and yeah. You record in your heats. How do you, how do you top that in the final? Yo, man, to completely honest with you, that wasn't the plan at all. Um, my coach would just go through to the final and I felt strong sanity on yesterday and yeah, just took it through and just stayed relaxed. I didn't expect to get the world record and as you see, I saw today, like world's record doesn't come easily. You have to work for them, yeah. The 14-year-old whiz kid Ndando Mashango continued to make headlines as he won a silver medal in the T42 200-meter in first-ever Paralympic Games. And President Jacob Zuma has congratulated the South African team of Paralympians for their outstanding performance that saw South Africa begging three gold medals so far in the 2016 Rio Paralympic Games in Brazil. Burundi and Kenya kicked off the 2016 Sikafa Women's Championship with wins in the industrial town of Jinja in Uganda, despite problems off the pitch for tournament organizers. The inaugural event got underway with a handful of fans at the FIFA Technical Center, as some teams complained about the accommodation, claiming their players are sleeping in a hostel where eight beds are packed in one room. Burundi beat Zanzibar 10-1 in the opening Group A game, with Kenya then defeating Uganda's Crested Cranes 4-0. Burundi showed no respect to a Zanzibar side who had a player sent off as Dajila Uemeze netted a hat-trick, while Megi Mumezero and Saidi Sakina Buguru scored two apiece. And finally, powerlifter Paul Kehinde has given Team Nigeria his second gold medal at the ongoing Rio 2016 Paralympic Games. Kehinde, in the 65-kilogram men's category, lifted 218 kg to beat his rivals to the gold medal. 
he becomes the second athlete after Roland Ezurike, who on Friday won Nigeria's first gold in Rio, also in powerlifting. China's Peng Hu, 200 kilogram, finished second, while Egypt's Shaban Ibrahim, 193 kg, won the bronze medal. Nigeria at the moment has four medals, two gold and two silver. Latifat Tijani won silver in the women's power, lifting 45 kg on Friday, with Esther Oyema adding another silver in the women's power, lifting 55 kg category on Saturday. And that's your sport news this hour. And that's how we wrap up today's show. Remember, African Dialogue comes to you every Monday to Thursday at 1100 hours Central African time. You're also welcome to interact with us via Twitter at Channel Africa One on Facebook, or you can also simply send us an SMS with your views to plus two seven eight two three three two five nine zero five. If you want to, you can also email us at info at channelafrica.org. And we play out with the song titled We Are All Africans by MZ and Rafiki from myself and the team. Goodbye.